for the fastest hour of radio, Southern Race Week, with your host, William Barber. Hello and welcome to this podcast edition of Southern Race Week Radio for you here on your favorite podcast location, whether it's iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, or SoundCloud. We greatly appreciate you taking the time to download, listen in, and subscribe to the Southern Race Week Radio podcast. My name is Alfie, and I'll be joining you this week to deliver to you another brand new week's edition of the Southern Race Week Radio podcast. And we have another star-studded lineup of guests to join us this week on the program. In just moments, we will hear from Tug Turnbull of the Performance Racing Network, along with the general manager of Five Flag Speedway, Tim Bryant, and one half of the host of the Mike's Are Hot podcast for Racing America, Heather DeBose. So we'll have those fabulous guests uh, joining us here momentarily on this podcast edition of Southern Race Week Radio. But we have another exciting edition coming off an exciting weekend of racing at Darlington in the Xfinity Series and the Cup Series. The IndyCar Series just crowned themselves a champion for the series, and also the NHRA was in action at Indy this past weekend. So we got a lot to go to in our racing recap which will be coming up here in uh, just a matter of moments. So I want to let you know about the email address. Uh, feel free to email us anytime you would like to, 24-7. Let us know what you think about the podcast, the radio show we do as well. Just hit us up at srwradio at yahoo.com. That is srwradio at yahoo.com. And normally we do our racing news segment on our weekly um radio show that you can get all over our far-flung Southern Race Week radio network, but I did want to kick off uh, the podcast with some big-time news in case you have not heard. Uh, Monday, uh, Denny Hamlin signed a multi-year contract to remain with Joe Gibbs Racing as the driver of the number 11 Toyota. This has been kind of an ongoing situation over the last few weeks, trying to finalize a deal between Hamlin and uh, Joe Gibbs Racing. He can finally focus on uh, chasing that championship. Congratulations to those two guys for uh, getting that deal done. I know that's now won't be a topic of conversation over the next few weeks as we get set to crown a champion in the Cup Series uh, in Phoenix here at the uh, beginning of November. But uh, we got a lot to go to. A very busy weekend of racing as we had uh, NASCAR Xfinity Cup Series in action. We had NHRA and IndyCar all in action uh, this past weekend. So let's get to it. Let's break down all the action from this past weekend as we kick off this weekend's racing recap here on Southern Race Week Radio. Of course, the truck series were not in action this past weekend. They have their elimination race, their first elimination race coming up this weekend in Kansas. And here are the standings right now in the truck series. Grant Enfinger is your number one ranked driver. Ty Majeski is second. Those two drivers with winning the first two races of the round of 10 have already advanced themselves into the round of eight. Corey Hunt is in third position. Christian Eckes is in fourth. Carson Hosever is in 5th, Zane Smith in 6th, Matt Crafton is in 7th, Nick Sanchez in 8th, and then outside looking in on the bubble, that is Ben Rhodes in ninth, and Matt DiBetto rounds out the top 10. Over to the action from the Xfinity Series at Darlington, Denny Hamlin passed Austin Hill on the final restart in overtime to win his 6th Xfinity Series event at Darlington Raceway this past Saturday. Hill was in front when the race went to a green-white checkered finish, but Hamlin came from the high side to pass Hill in turn two and went on to a six-car-length victory. John Hunter Nemechek, who leads the Xfinity Series with five victories this season, was third, with Cole Custer and Josh Berry rounding out the top five. 
and taking a look at the current point standings right now in the Xfinity Series. And this weekend in Kansas for the Xfinity Series will be the cutoff race for the regular season. And then we will have our 12 drivers that will battle it out for a championship. And here are those 12 drivers right now. John Hunter Nemechek as your number one ranked driver with five wins on the season. Austin Hills in second with four wins. Justin Allgaier is in third position with two wins. Cole Custer is fourth with two wins. Sam Mayer is in fifth with two wins. Chandler Smith is in sixth with a win. Sammy Smith is seventh with a win. Jeb Burton is in eighth with a win. And then spots nine through 12 are into the playoffs right now via points. These drivers do not have a win on the season. Josh Berry is in ninth. Sheldon Creed in 10th, Daniel Hemrick is 11th, and Riley Herps rounds out the top 12. And those drivers on the outside looking in, Parker Klingerman in 13th, Brandon Jones in 14th, and Brett Moffitt in the 15th position. Over to the Cup Series race from Darlington as Kyle Larson has led plenty of laps around Darlington through the years, just not the last one. He finally accomplished that this past Sunday night with a victory in the Southern 500. Larson, the 2021 Cup Series champion, came into his event having been in front for 715 career laps at the track too tough to tame without taking the checkered flag. When asked in the post-race press conference, Kyle Larson was asked if this was a race he wanted to win. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this race only, all these crown jewels only come around once a year. So, you know, there's been lots of times where I've left here, you know, bummed out and sad that, you know, I had a good shot to win and it just didn't work out. So <clears throat> I felt like I was going to have that feeling again today, you know, but, um, you know, things are able to, to work out and, um, yeah, get, get a, a really big win. I mean, and this is in the top three or four, you know, for the races, you know, crown jewel, prestigious races of our season and with this win it puts his number five chevrolet into the second round of the nascar playoffs no matter where he finishes at the two remaining first round races at kansas and bristol the next two weeks larson led the final 55 laps for his first career win at darlington tyler reddick was your runner-up chris busher finishing third william byron in fourth and ross chastain rounds out the top five and taking a look at the current point standings right now in the Cup Series playoffs, as we mentioned, Kyle Larson, your number one ranked driver, he moves on to the next round with that victory. William Byron is in second, Tyler Reddick in third, Chris Buescher is fourth, Denny Hamlin is fifth, Martin Trix Jr. is sixth, Kyle Busch seventh, Brad Keselowski in eighth, Ryan Blaney ninth, Ross Chastain is tenth, Joey Logano eleventh, Christopher Bell is twelfth, Bubba Wallace is 13th, Kevin Harvick in 14th, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is 15th, and Michael McDowell rounds out the top 16. In IndyCar Series news, Chip Ganassi stopped Alex Pillow before Sunday's race at Portland International Raceway and encouraged his driver to use the race to close out the IndyCar Championship. Pillow told the boss he planned to do it with a walk-off win, and he delivered. Pillow is now a two-time IndyCar champion with Ganassi following a dominant run Sunday that gave him his series-leading fifth win of the season. He likes to win. He told me that, Ganassi said. I said, let's go wrap this up today. He looked at me and said, I'm going to wrap it up with a win. I said, okay, great. He called his shot today. Ganassi then at last addressed Pillow's future with the team, which has been uncertain and at times contentious over the past 14 months. Alex Pillow is going to be in our car, I can tell you that for sure, Ganassi said. That wasn't so clear even last month when Pillow scheduled to join Aero McLaren Racing in 2024 as an IndyCar driver. He already spent this year as McLaren's test and reserve driver in Formula 1, but had an apparent change of heart regarding his future. 
I am going to enjoy as much as possible the win from the day. The championship, Polo said in declining to discuss the contractual fight between driver McLaren and Ganassi. Felix Rosenquist was your runner-up, Scott Dixon finishing third, Pedo Award in fourth, and Joseph Newgarden rounding out the top five. Over to the NHRA, Altrin Brown, Ron Caps, and Matt Smith successfully defended their 2022 Indy titles in Top Fuel, Funny Car, and Pro Stock Motorcycle, while Matt Hartford earned his first Pro Stock victory at the 69th Annual Dodge Power Brokers NHRA U.S. Nationals. And to check out other winners of Wally's from this past weekend, along with the current championship point standings and all the different classifications of NHRA, just head on over to NHRA. Com. And taking a look at racing action coming up this weekend over in the IndyCar Series. Their regular season finale will take place this weekend. The Firestone Grand Prix of Monterey. That will be September 10th. The green flag will drop at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time. You can catch the action on NBC, Peacock, and also the IndyCar Racing Network, which is also available on Sirius XM Radio. NASCAR will be in action. The Truck Series will continue their playoff push with their first elimination race of the playoffs this upcoming Friday night, September 8th. 9 p.m. is when the green flag will drop for the Kansas Lottery 200 from Kansas Speedway. You can catch the race on FS1 and the radio coverage provided by the Motor Racing Network, which will also be simulcast on Sirius XM NASCAR Channel 90. Also, the Xfinity Series will be racing the Kansas Speedway in their regular season finale. That'll be Saturday, September 9th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time for the Kansas Lottery 300. You can catch the race on NBC and radio coverage provided by the Motor Racing Network, which will be simulcast on Sirius XM NASCAR Channel 90. As for the Cup Series, they'll be in action on Sunday, September 10th for the Hollywood Casinos 400, also at Kansas Speedway. The green flag will drop at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, and you can catch the action on USA and radio coverage provided by the Motor Racing Network, which will also be simulcast on Sirius XM NASCAR Channel 90. So there you go. That is your racing recap for all the action that took place this weekend right here on the Southern Race Week Radio Podcast. Hey, it's Austin Hill, and you're listening to Southern Race Week. All right, welcome back to this brand new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio for you here along the far-flung Southern Race Week Radio Network. It's Southies. We continue on with this brand new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio along with the Southern Race Week Radio Podcast. And we're very honored and privileged to welcome our next guest here via the Food Depot Zoom line as he's coming to us from his beautiful decorated man cave in the beautiful city of Atlanta, Georgia. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome in pit reporter and turn announcer along of host of Five to Go podcast as well for the Performance Racing Network. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Mr. Doug Turnbull. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I think I think you might have broken some people's sound cards after that. Holy smokes, man! Good good afternoon to you. Thanks for having me on Southern Race Week. Mr. Turnbull is always a great friend of the show. We always appreciate it when you carve a couple of minutes here to uh, join us here on Southern Race Week Radios. We get set for the second half, the second season, I guess you can say, of the NASCAR Cup Series as the sixteen drivers are locked in and ready to go to uh, battle it out for a uh, championship. But before we take a look at your thoughts on the 16-team field, let's uh, recap Daytona because, uh, <laughs> once again, just uh, a crazy, crazy Cup Series race. Two serious incidences that took place with Ryan Blaney. Of course, the uh, the crazy wreck there with Ryan Priest taking a little bit of a ride there um, uh, over end over end and, and luckily landing on the four wheels, uh, taken to the local facility, but luckily has been released. Give us your thoughts on Daytona 
uh, a lot of the drivers, you know, kind of not happy with what happened to Ryan Priest. In fact, I think I heard on the podcast Denny Hamlet does talking about the grass yeah. surface there causing a bit of that uh, issue as well. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think when you have any uh, situation where the cars have a sharp transition and certainly going from um, from pavement to grass, you know, causes that interruption and puts a car end over end like it did with Ryan Priest's. But I, I think there's a lot more play than that because we've seen cars flip and not hit grass too. You know, um, uh, Devin Kupka who helps co-host the five to go podcast with me that we, we just got done talking about this. And, you know, I mean, Harrison Burton flipped over just on asphalt, right? I think it, uh, it either Daytona or Talladega earlier. I mean, it's tough to really quantify what causes what, right? But it's certainly the grass doesn't help. I think they're the thing that I have that's like a coda about this Gen 7 race car, and I'm not here to dog on it. I know that safety is always a process. I know there are a lot of complaints about the safety of this car versus the Gen 6, but it's just that the car is supremely unpredictable. You know, the roof hatch came undone, and the door, the driver's net, the window net came down. Well, how did that happen? What caused that? And, yes, what caused him to, instead of flip a couple of times, to flip between 15 and 20 times, uh, although most of them were rotations in the air, not bouncing off the ground, what caused that versus Ryan Blaney, who caught air and but didn't flip over? And that, that's something Dan Elliott said on five to go. He's like, Ryan Blaney hit firewall deep, but was also turned sideways with the car stuffed into him. Why didn't he flip? It's a really unpredictable car. And when you combine the unpredictability of that with what when teams don't know exactly if a wheel's tight or not, or if a lug nut's going to get so stuck they can't get it undone, like what happened with Chase Briscoe, Watkins, Glenn, you have the unpredictability of when you get a flat tire, do you get stuck in the grass? Yeah, do you have the unpredictability of is this short track or road course going to race well? And why in the world does Pocono or Michigan race so well and the short track not? You know, there, there's so much. And the safety is just another thing with the unpredictability. The unpredictability is good when you have 14 different winners in 26 regular season races. And we had, I think, 15 or 16 different winners or however many it was in the regular season a year ago, right? Where we only had one driver making the playoffs and points. So there's the parity and that unpredictability. Then there's the unpredictability of stuff that you'd like to be able to predict, like raceability and safety and pit stops. So uh, that, that I think that factors in. I have no answers. I'm not a physicist. I know NASCAR will work on it. As far as the race itself, I was looking at the stats, and it was interesting to me because I, I was in Germany, and so I could only listen to the radio for the race. I couldn't watch it on TV, and my alarm didn't go off to wake me up in time to watch or to listen to the race in real time. I actually only got to listen to the two laps right after the priest crash, which was Harvick leading and then Chris Buescher winning. Talk about unpredictability. Chris Buescher winning three times this year and winning three of the last five races. Didn't have that on my scorecard. As far as the race itself, it seemed like going back and watching the highlights, they were able to stay too wide a lot. They didn't get single file near as much as has been complained about, particularly last year with this car. But when they were too wide, I felt like it was, it seemed like it was hard for drivers to go back and forward. There were only 22 lead changes this race. There were 52 in the Daytona 500, which is a crazy race with a ton of wrecks and like three overtime. This race had just the one overtime finish after the Ryan Priest severe twisting over crash, but it, it had only 22 lead changes. And the Atlanta races this year each only had 20-something lead changes. The Talladega Spring Race had like 50-something lead changes too. So what changed from the beginning of this year to now that – that made the lead change number go down. And I think it's the cars all being equal in the line staying next to each other. Speaking with Doug Turnbull here, the Performance Racing Network, as we break down Daytona and preview what's coming up here in the next 10 races as we battle it out for a championship of this season. And one of the things I did learn about this year's playoffs is we have 10 different teams that are represented 
amongst the 16 drivers, which is a, mm. a record for the, the Cup Series. Do you take the, like, as you mentioned, kind of the, the, the similarities in all the cars now, all same parts, all the specs have to be the same. Do you credit that to having 10 different teams in there represented for this year's Cup Series playoffs? I think part of it is just everybody's so close. The difference between Chase Elliott making the playoffs he would have made it without missing the seven races, right? But the difference between him making it or Alex Bowman, who missed three races and making it, was was almost minimal. You look at the average finishes, even the drivers that are having great years. You know, William Byron, five wins, top-seeded playoff driver. However, or he and Truex are tied for the top seed when you combine the, the bonus points they got for where they finished the regular season and all that stuff. But Byron, five wins, his average finish is 12.8. Martin Truex Jr. average finish, best of the series, 11.4. But you go down, Hamlin, Busher, Kyle Busch, their average finishes are 12-3, 12-2, 14-1. Kyle Larson, for as much speed as he's had, he's got an average start inside the top 10, but all that crashing, average finish is 16. And I think that's why when you open up the idea that a front row motorsports, Michael McDowell can win, that Ricky Stenhouse Jr., which can happen at any super speedway race, wins the Daytona 500, well, that's two organizations right there. And then you just kind of have drips and drabs from all the others. And you got to bake in the fact that Stuart Haas racing, as you know, their performance has fallen way off. And they and they only have one driver in the playoffs, Kevin Harvick, with zero wins, no wins in that organization. So you, you combine their fall off with the window for success being so small. Sure, you got 10 different organizations in there. And we could try to predict based on what 26 races has shown us in 2023. I have no idea who's going to make the championship for two different drivers that aren't supposed to could win. And that's go bump out somebody that's supposed to be there. Right. So that that's, that's uh, making predictions is tough. A lot of the questions and answers that I've heard over the last few races have dealt with the format of the playoffs, uh, you know, questioning whether we should go to the old way where it was a full season instead of a regular season and then a playoff system. Um, I know that you are covering the sport as a, as a journalist, but as a fan yourself, because we know you're a huge NASCAR fan on top of being a journalist for the sport. What are your thoughts on the way the playoffs are determined? Would you like to see it kind of go back to the way it was where a whole semen, a whole season would determine your champion? Or do you like it the way it is now where we have the 26 race regular season and then the 10 race playoffs? Because, you know, one say one, because one say you can get, you get a true champion going through the entire season with points. Or are you saying that maybe some teams that don't have that shot to make, you know, have a chance to win a championship now do have a chance, like those smaller tier teams that aren't the big money teams that, you know, the the Richard Childress Racing, the Joe Gibbs and all that. Um, what are your thoughts on the way that the champion is determined? I know, look, I was out my early years of being a race fan, 2001, two and three, my first three years of watching this sport intensely were the last three years of the Winston Cup Series and the last three years of the full season-long Winston Cup, all right? So most of my time watching has been over – this is the 20th year of the chase or the playoffs, 2004. So this is year number 20. And we have seen four different versions of the chase slash playoffs in that time. We've seen it go from 10 drivers to 12 drivers. We've seen it be just the top 10 drivers on points to it being a win clenches you in. To go up to 12, 10 to drivers to 12 drivers. Then we saw the 2014. We're now in the 10th year of the elimination playoffs. That started in 2014. Kevin Harvick, the champion that year. And, and then we've had a different version of the playoffs inside of that where we've implemented stage, stage points and, and playoff points for winning a race. 
that that have shaken up the whole system. So that's at least four different versions that we've had just in the last 20 years. All right. In the in the last 20 years, we have seen this sport be at the absolute height of popularity, 2005 and six, to to having a you know some pretty big lows, especially during the recession, but even in subsequent years, and then bouncing back a little. The bounce back and all of that, I don't think happens if you don't have compelling storylines toward the end of the season, despite what the ratings show. Overall, society does not give much of a crap, basically, to our championship race versus a race at Dover in the middle of the season, all right? It's really the Daytona 500 and other big races that have a lot of hype that 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 make that needle move. As far as a fan watching it, if you look at what other sports have done, baseball has expanded its playoffs, the NFL has expanded its season, and I think it, it expanded playoffs at one point in the last few years. Uh, the NBA, it seems like half the teams make the playoffs. And plus they're doing this in-season tournament this year for the NBA the, as well. The in-season tournament. That's the, I think that's the only way the Hawks made the playoffs this year, right? So, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- th- that's changed so much, and I, I don't follow the NBA closely. So all the big sports, you know, golf instituted their playoff system about two years after NASCAR did. The FedEx Cup, I think it was 2006, because that's first year Hamlin was driving FedEx car, and they debuted it at Atlanta Motor Speedway, actually. We're not going back to 36 races eight months long and letting William Byron, and one of the classic points, the classic points have Truex with like a 60 or 80-point lead over, over everybody. I got to say, though, with every all the cars being so equal and the fact that 6th through 10th place in the points were separated by like 5 or 10 points in Daytona, after 26 or 25 races before Daytona ended, they were separated by just a few points. It seems like the season-long deal would be more compelling with this generation of car than it was in, 2000, you know, in 2003. But we're not going back. I do think personally that the playoffs take too much of a percentage of the season. It's 10 out of the 36 races. So between 25 and 33% of the season is playoffs. I think when you have 36 charters and 16 of those teams make the playoffs and 20 miss it, I think that's a little much too. But at the same point, how much do we talk about the drivers outside the top 16 and subsequently 12 and eight as we get deeper in the playoffs? So I think that not much is going to change anytime soon. If it was me, I'd love to see a five or seven race playoff and five or seven drivers or eliminate more drivers per race or something and get it down to where you're really being rewarded like Byron and Truex are for being up front. Now, Mr. Turnbull, I'm sure you're going to be discussing a lot of this during your five to go podcast uh, as well. You'll keep up with the playoffs. So if our listeners want to follow along with you on your five to go podcast and also follow along with you on your social media platforms, uh, where can they go to keep up with all that, my friend? <laughs> yeah, more of that long-winded analysis with no commercial breaks or time constraints. Five to Go Racing Podcast. You can find it on the podcatchers uh, and goprn.com as well. Goprn.com. You can find that. And social media, most places, is either it's at Doug Turnbull on X, as it's called now, Doug Turnbull on Facebook, Fireball Turnbull on Instagram, and I'd love to connect on there and talk racing with you. Hey, this is Josh Hart, top fuel driver for RNL Carriers. You are listening to Southern Race Week. Hi, race fans. Welcome back to this edition of Southern Race Week right here on your great racing station and your favorite podcast location. This is soft and imitated, but never the show that gives you the best dang track promoter in the entire United States. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Tim Bryant from Five Flags Speedway. Tim, 
Welcome back <laughs> well, to actually, the show. Actually, the best promoter couldn't make it today, so you got me instead. Well, Tim, you know, uh, you know, I'm, I've been checking out the website here, brother, and uh, I didn't know I had a cousin that was down there winning races uh, at Five Flags Speedway. Maybe I can stay with him when the Snowball Derby comes down. Man, I tell you, the barber name is just uh, great victory lane numerous times down here this year, and uh, uh, stands, uh, stands a pretty good chance of, uh, of carrying a crown home after our uh, championship race, which is our next event on September 9th. September 9th, it's coming out with the championship race, and then, of course, we're all leading up to the uh to the big race with the snowball and if you go to five flag speedway the number five flagspeedway.com you can see the countdown for the uh, for the 56 snowball derby the time we're doing the show is just a few days a few hours and a few seconds away from happening how are ticket sales going we gave uh last year's ticket holders first option to renew throughout the summer and uh uh, by golly, most of them did, and then uh, uh, August 21st, uh, the remaining tickets went on sale, and they've been flying out at a pretty rapid rate. Uh, we're not out of tickets yet, but we do anticipate a sellout this year, so we encourage fans, uh, while they can, to uh, get a hold of their tickets, and they can go to fiveflexspeedway.com for information. Actually, the ticket sales are actually direct. We're not doing online ticket sales for this event. I tell you, WB, the girls in our office, they love talking to the race fans, and so we do it the old-fashioned way. You call the track and order your tickets, they'll, we'll send them to you, or we'll hold them in a wheel call, and uh, that's just the way we kind of prefer to do it, which uh, uh, allowed us a chance over the years to really become acquainted with a lot of our race fans that come back year after year. September the 9th is uh, what we call Night of Champions number one. We take all of our local divisions and run them in championship races. Uh, we switch to Saturday nights in September uh, because – High school football is so big in our area. Oh, yeah. Give a chance for people to, to take that in and watch their co- favorite college game during Saturday and then come out to the Speedway on Saturday night. So uh, Saturday night, September night, we'll run our, our outlaw division, our pro truck division, our sportsman, and our pure stock divisions. We'll all have their 2023 championship races. Then we'll come back two weeks later uh, on Friday night, September 22nd, was originally scheduled to be an open practice for our championship race. But if you remember, we rained out back on uh, July 22nd, I believe it was, 23rd, somewhere in there. We had a rain out. So we rescheduled that for September 22nd. So actually turned championship weekend into a big doubleheader. We'll have Blizzard Race number three on Friday night along with our uh, Crown Stock Championship. And then on Saturday night, a big night, uh, uh, Blizzard Series Championship. It also will be the Southern Super Series Championship race for Super Late Models. We have our Alan Turner Pro Late Model Championship that night. As you mentioned, November 17th, the Snowball Derby pageant is the next event. Now, if y'all just join us here, we've got uh, Tim Bryan from Five Flag Speedway. Now, let me ask you about that now. Now, the Snowball Derby pageant. Now, wait, we've never talked about this. Like, do you you buy tickets, you sit in the grandstand, and, and like, do you have a stage out on the start, the start finish line and, 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 and all that good stuff? Or what do we do here, brother? Well, no, I like the way you think, but it's actually an indoor event in November. Oh, we okay. go downtown Pensacola to historic Seville Quarter, uh, one of the most prominent places in downtown Pensacola. Uh, they open their doors for us 
Snowball Derby preview November the 18th. And I'm telling you what, folks, if y'all ever want to see some great racing, the Snowball Derby that takes place November the 30th through December the 3rd is the action to watch and go check out because not only uh, will you see some of the best drivers in the late model series and everything else, but you'll see a lot of NASCAR drivers too, Tim, right? We do. We um, we haven't even officially put the entry blank out yet. That'll happen within the next week. Uh, so we're not ready to drop any names yet, but we already got wind of, of some NASCAR flavor that'll be in this year's race. Uh, but, you know, we always say, listen, we lo- love having those NASCAR drivers, but this race is the best of the best short track drivers from around the country. We already know guys from California. Derek Thorne is the defending uh, winner. Uh, the year before that, Ty Majeski was the winner, and he's just been on an absolute tear uh, this year, uh, and 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 obviously a, ho- a host of others. But uh, I think for for first timers coming to the Snowball Derby WB, it's important that they know way more than just a race. This is, uh, this event has just turned into to just that an event. It's kind of a spectacle. Uh, there's activities all week long in and around. Anyway, it's a it's certainly a big week, and it's something that our whole community looks forward to. Uh, as far as hosting people from outside our area. I'll tell you what, y'all. If y'all have not been to Pensacola, you do not know what you are missing because Pensacola has so many. I mean, because I, I tell you, um, Tim, I don't know if you know it or not, but before the interest rates went up so much, uh, the wife and I were looking to move into Pensacola. I think you and I talked about that. Um, and uh, we that downtown Pensacola area that you're talking about for for the Miss Snowball, that that whole area is just wonderful. Um, so when you come down to the Snowball Derby, my point is not only is there great things to do when there's action on the track, but there's a lot of great things to do in and around Pensacola. You're close to Orange Beach and all this other stuff. So it's a it's a great uh, great time to to come down and just take take a whole vacation for the for the winter winter months. It really is. A lot of folks have actually taken into the Airbnb mode so they can stay for a week or so. We actually have some of the race teams that will be spending Thanksgiving, which is the week before, uh, in Pensacola, uh, so they can take in the whole whole week long of uh, uh, festivities. So. Uh, yeah, it's, a, it's certainly a good time to be had by all. Well, I tell you what, folks, uh, we might have to check out with check with our friends from SpectrumResort.com, see if I can't get me a room over there at the uh, uh, Turquoise Place and just stay there and then come over to the racetrack because it's not that far because I always pass you whenever I'm on my way over there. So Yeah. So, well, listen, Tim, let's uh, let remind everybody where they need to go to get their tickets and uh, how they can get in touch with you the best way yeah fiveflagspeedway.com or snowballderby.com both goes to our website and uh, uh it'll give you the contact information all the, the seating chart ticketing information is on the website but you'll have to actually call the speedway uh to to, to procure your tickets hey everyone this is anthony alfredo and you're listening to southern race week all right welcome back to this brand new week's edition of southern race week radio for you here along the far flung southern race week radio network at southeast we continue on with this brand new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio, along with the Southern Race Week Radio podcast. And I'm very honored and privileged to welcome our next guest here via the Food Depot hotline, as she is one half of the newest podcast being featured by Racing America called uh, called, uh, Mics Are Hot. And also you're here doing some work along with the Performance Racing Network. She's done Fox Television as well. This young lady has done it all in the world of broadcasting. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome in Miss Heather! 
Dumbo! That was quite the introduction. <laughs> wow. Well, like, like I say, Mr. Bo, when we have a big deal guest on, we got to give him a big deal introduction. And we're really appreciating carving a little bit of time for us here on this week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio. Hopefully you're having a great day today, my friend. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. You're a half of the duo of the Mics Are Hot podcast. Your partner in crime, Caitlin Vinci, who's also been on the program a couple of times herself. Uh, we really, are, uh, you guys have started up this podcast. But before we, before we talk about the podcast, this is your first time on the fine Southern Race Week Radio program here. And whenever we have a guest on for the first time, love to learn a little bit about your history, what, how you got into the sport, because we know your work. I'm a big, as we mentioned before we went, I'm a big fan of your work. We know how incredible of a broadcaster you are, but where did that love and desire for broadcasting begin for you and also with auto racing as well? Well, thank you so much for the kind words there. Um, I started in 2009 with Speed Channel, but my love for racing kind of came at a young age. Uh, my dad used to race. Uh, he raced younger when he was like, you know, in his early, early years racing quarter midgets. And then he moved to um, dwarf cars when I was in high school and then moved up to dirt modified. So we used to race at Manzanita Speedway and that's kind of our stomping grounds. It's unfortunately no longer there, but one of the best dirt racetracks in the country, I would say. So that's kind of where it all started for me. And then in uh, 2008, I saw an ad for Speed Channel on MySpace of all places. <laughs> um, they were having a casting call uh, for people to join their road tour team. So that job was to travel across the country to every single cup series race with speed channel. And for those of you that may remember, they used to have a stage where they filmed all their live shows like NASCAR race day and trackside live. So I was one of the uh, hype women, if you will. So my job is to get the crowd all hyped up for the live TV show. So I threw t-shirts and speed koozies and beads at everybody. So that's that's how I got into NASCAR. And then um, in 2014, my first pit reporting job was for the KNN West series uh, for Fox Sports. And then it transitioned to NBC Sports. And I've covered a number of different uh, series since then, American Flat Track, Global Rallycross, uh, Formula E, Ferrari Challenge. And of course, I've worked, like you mentioned, with PRN on the radio broadcast in NASCAR. And now I'm uh, doing a lot of pit reporting for Fox Sports on the ARCA series. And I've done some truck races this year. So that's kind of the long story short of how I got here. Well, that's fascinating because usually with a broadcaster, especially with pit reporting, it, you have some kind of broadcasting experience before you went into that. It sounds like you didn't have much of a broadcast experience. So how is that transition going from what you like to call as a hype girl to then becoming a, a pit reporter? Yeah, so I went to, I did go to college, but I have a marketing degree. So I went to the WP Carey School of Business at Arizona State, which I should have went to their broadcast journalism school because Walter Cronkite, because that was really good. But I didn't know at the time that's what I was going to um, get into. But my my first opportunity to do some on-camera stuff was um, since we were around Speed Channel and being around the television and cameras, they had us do little promos at the racetrack for the big screens to influence fans to come over for the live shows. And then my first ever interview on camera was um, 2000, I want to say 11, uh, Jimmy Johnson used to have these events called the Jimmy Jam, where he'd have a, a musical guest, and then it would be him, and then they'd invite all of their fan club members and Lowe's employees, and they'd have this big event. Well, at the time, they uh, streamed it on the internet, and Rutledge Wood was the host, and Kenny Wallace was supposed to host the event here in Phoenix in that November of 2011, but he couldn't make it. So they said, Heather, would you like to do it? So I filled in for Kenny, co-hosted with Rutledge and my first ever on-camera interview with anyone was Jimmy Johnson. But like at that time, I think he was only three time, but still a huge deal. So um, yeah, I just learned as I went. I I still some days am learning what I'm doing, <laughs> you know, like how do I do this? What do I do? But 
I've had some great uh, mentors along the way, um, all the way from Speed Channel until now. And there's so many to name, but um, Doug Rice of PRN has been one of them from the beginning. Um, also, Jamie Little, I work with her. I'm her pit spotter on Sundays when she works the cup races for Fox. And a lot of people might not be familiar with what a pit spotter is, but I'm kind of like her second set of eyes and ears on pit road. So I scan all the drivers that she has, write notes, hand them off to her because it's a lot to cover for uh, one person. So I learn a lot just by being by her side as well. So yeah, that's kind of how it went. <laughs> Speaking with Heather DeBeau on this week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio, she's one of the co-hosts of the Mics Are Hot podcast, which is through Racing America along with Caitlin Vinci. And let's shift gears over to the podcast because this is something new that the two of you are doing. Uh, how did this idea come to you guys? Did you guys have the idea and went to Racing America or did Racing America reach out to you? How did this deal come about for you guys? So it's kind of a combination. So Caitlin Vinci, I wish she could be here with us today, but she's always wanted to do a podcast and she's always had that idea in mind, just branching out into another area that she hasn't yet done because she's done so much. I mean, she's her and I started at Speed Channel together, actually throwing t-shirts. So that's how we started. Then she worked her way into pit reporting as well. And now she's studio hosting. So she really wanted to do a podcast. And then I was lucky enough for her to ask me if I'd be interested in doing it. And uh, Racing America also was interested in going down that path. They wanted to do something similar to what she had in mind and our producer Krista Leader uh we're all friends as well so it kind of it's kind of a mix of you you know who you know and what people want to do and then it all just kind of worked out in the stars align and we all came together to to do the mics are hot podcast so yeah did you find the transition uh, difficult easy or how did you prepare yourselves to to do a full on podcast yeah, well, we definitely wanted to do something where we could be a little bit more relaxed and not so uh, buttoned up. And you mentioned our other um, jobs. We don't really get to get in the depth of knowing people better and the and the uh, big players in the sport. So we were really looking forward to just being able to have those more candid conversations and go into areas that we don't always a have time for or b that isn't really, I don't want to say appropriate for television, but just maybe this is a better opportunity to kind of talk about some things that, you know, you can find more out about the people that you wouldn't on television because it is a different um, venue or a different way to talk to people on a podcast. Uh, a lot of people are listening. It's laid back. Caitlin and I are good friends. So we like to joke around and tell stories and just it's it's very comfortable and relaxed. So um, I think the first two episodes have gone well. I've been having a lot of fun uh, doing them and our guests have been actually really amazing. Justin Marks was so impressive. Um, that was the first time I've really had a chance to sit down and talk to him for that long of a period. So I was just very intrigued by what he's about and what he's doing with track house racing. And then Cole Pern, obviously he's a whole other um, type of personality and, and he's just a interesting guy, like living in Canada and he's a skier. And then he's obviously a former championship winning crew chief, but his honesty and the way that he just tells it like it is, was just also refreshing to hear as well. So yeah, it's been fun. I've really enjoyed it. And I know that Caitlin has as well. And we're really looking forward to, what's coming up next if our listeners want to check out the podcast follow along with you guys and and maybe on social media follow along with what you guys got going on how can they go about getting information about the podcast yeah so um if you want to follow caitlin or myself we're on all the social media platforms um just our name mine's just heather debeau um caitlin's i believe has an underscore in it somewhere but she's easy to find if <laughs> you could just google caitlin vincey you'll find her we're on instagram twitter all the things. Um, and then for, as far as the podcast goes, you can either listen wherever you download podcasts, Spotify, Apple. Um, if you want to watch it, it's on Racing America's platform. So all their platforms, you can watch it there or on YouTube because we do uh, both 
people can watch or listen. I'm Adam Alexander, part of the NASCAR coverage on Fox Sports 1, and you're listening to Southern Race Week. All right, welcome back to this brand new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio for you here along the far-flung Southern Race Week Radio Network itself. As we wrap up this brand new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio along with the Southern Race Week Radio podcast, which is available for you every Monday at iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. So if you want to listen back to this week's edition or any of our previous episodes of Southern Race Week Radio, make sure you head on over Monday to iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, or SoundCloud. Download, listen, and subscribe to the Southern Race Week Radio podcast. And once again, thanks to our great guests for joining us this week here on Southern Race Week Radio. Thanks to Doug Turnbull, the Performance Racing Network, along with Tim Bryant of Five Flags Speedway, and then also Heather DeBoe of the PRN, as well as Fox, and also the co-host of the podcast, The Mics Are Hot. So thanks to them for uh, joining us this week here on Southern Race Week Radio and along with the Southern Race Week Radio podcast. And uh, don't forget about our social media platforms. If you want the latest in racing news and information, just like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Southern Race Week or follow us on Twitter at SRW Radio. And we will always be delivering to you the latest racing news and information via Facebook and Twitter as well. And also we've got our own personal Twitter pages as well. If you want to follow us on uh, Twitter for our uh, fearless leader, WB, you can follow him at WB Radio Network. And yours truly, you can follow at Alfie underscore 19. And then also we got a great email address. So make sure you can email us, let you know, uh, let us know what you think about the uh, radio show or anything you would like for us to discuss or talk about here on the Southern Race Week Radio. So email us anytime at srwradio at yahoo.com. That is srwradio at yahoo.com. So enjoy this fantastic Labor Day weekend. We appreciate you tuning in, and we'll catch back up with you next week right here for an all-new edition of Southern Race Week Radio along the far-flung Southern Race Week Radio Network. <laughs>